Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. So in case you're wondering, so what happened is, um, thanks for all the TMI, I, um, I was transported in the womb from Zimbabwe to South Africa, and there's a story to that, but that's for another day. Talking about stories, we all love stories. And I'll share a bit about what, I, what work I do as well later. <laughs> Forget about that. We love stories. We love to listen to them. We love to read them. And we love to watch them, don't we? And we like stories because the stories that we listen to, that we watch, that we read, are all stories that come from the human heart. And so we identify with them in some way. And it's the stories, the characters... The plot is the sequence of action that takes place in a story. It's the stories um, that shape us. In fact, the substance, which I'm going to talk about today, is formed in us through the story of our lives. It's transformational. He makes the darkness treble. He turns the seas into highways. There is... An opportunity for every single person in this room to be part of a magnificent story where you don't have to compare yourself with somebody else. You don't have to feel you need to be an actor or an actress. You don't have to feel that you need to be somebody else. You are exactly who you are meant to be. Psalm 139 says that he saw you before you were born. And all the days of your life were written before one of them came into being. He knew your form. He knew your character. As he knit you together like the DNA in your mother's womb. A story needs conflict. It needs resolution. And we become emotionally involved with the plot, don't we? When we read the book or we watch the movie, it draws us in and we begin to live it because we designed that way. But you don't just have to watch somebody else's story. I want you to know today that every person in this room can become part of the story that you were designed to be part of, not just be an observer. What I want to share with you is how to do that. It's not difficult. It's, it's, there may be some difficulty. We all want an easy life. But Jesus said, my yoke is easy. And I'm humble and gentle of heart. And he'll meet you where you are at. When you're under, sitting under the tree, he sees you. When you've gone up the tree to see him, he sees you. Sometimes he's waiting for you at the well. But he's there and he's waiting and he's watching. And he's for you. Your life is a story. Acts 13, 15, he's the author of our of life. For you, for each one of us, everything that has happened to you in your life matters. Nothing that has happened to you can be wasted. For we know in Romans 8 verse 28 
we know, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. All things, the things that have happened in our lives, in the journey, in the plot of our lives, all, all things can work together for the good for those who are called according to his purpose. Everyone is called according to his purpose. It's how we become part of that purpose that really matters and our participation in, he, in what he has written for us. That's what really matters because we are not automatons. We are free spirits and it's for freedom that he has set us free, but we need to know how to live in that freedom. Everything matters, nothing is wasted. You have a story of conflict and tension. You have a plot, we all have. There's purpose in the story. And part of that purpose is when we walk with the author, he is shaping you. He's shaping you through the narrative of your life to become who you are meant to be, a living letter to the world. Expressed through what you have been given, through your life experiences, and who you are becoming. And it doesn't happen later. It's happening now. It happens, and I'm going to explain that to you, it happens every day. You don't have to wait for this. It happens every day, in everyday life. You don't have to be something supernatural. You already are supernatural. You just don't know it. Or sometimes. You find that when you walk with him in the writing of the story, what will happen is you'll enter into a realm, a different realm to the realm where you have the kingdoms of this world. You want to see the kingdoms of the world? Put on the television. Watch any so-called news channel, and you'll see the kingdoms of the world. The kingdoms of our God and of his Christ will become, the kingdoms of the world will become the, the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. And so we enter into that place when you begin to move, as that word came earlier, into the substance of true life. Not just whitewashed sepulchers, not just religion, not just a religious practice, but when you enter into true transformation through the story. Because that's what happens in stories, right? The characters are transformed. And this is, we love it because it's for all of us. We all want it. And you can have it. It's daily in our lives. You enter a realm where the powers of the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. You can function in a different, I would say, political, spiritual realm in Christ than the, than the normal. I'll share with you some stories. I flew in Friday. I, I live in Palm Coast. My wife and I moved there in April 2022. We moved from Germany um, we've lived in Europe for, enough, for some time, and we've lived in South Africa, and as you heard, I was conceived in Zimbabwe. So, <laughs> got around. But as, and now part of my work is I'm a chief strategy officer for, um, for a global company that works in the advance of Christian education around the world. So any other month, I'm in a different country somewhere in the world. And it's not because I'm special, it's because I serve a very special God who has enabled me to move into a realm where I see things and I'm involved in things I could 
keep you busy for a long time with the stories, and I'll tell you one of the stories. But today, this is about you. It's not about me. It's about each one of us in this room. When you journey into the, this level of story that I'm talking about, and which we'll talk about today, you are changed. In fact, you are more than just changed. You are transformed. He prunes you, John 15, 2. And people and circumstances can be his cutting tools so that you may become even more fruitful. He shapes you as the potter shapes the clay. Isaiah 64, verse 8. You are his workmanship. His poema. Ephesians 2.10. See, many are our plans. Do I do this? Do I do that? Many are our plans. But ultimately, the Lord determines our steps, Proverbs 16, verse 9. He determines our steps because every choice you, we make has a predetermined implication or consequence. And ultimately, the Lord decides, I'm going to speak about obedience and responding to that quiet voice. We all have a conscience. We all are convicted. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not something out there that only some people have. We all hear God in our daily lives. <coughs> 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all, as we journey in the story, we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. We are, you are, you have the potential to be transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So the message title is Being Transformed into the Same Image. Let's start off by saying you need to know this transformation happens in everyday life. How? Well, first of all, you need to know physically you are already a miracle. And Paul says that um, these analogy of the flesh is that the flesh, the body, is like a tent. Remember, he knows what he was talking about. He was a tent maker. He made tents for a living. When you breathe right now, you're breathing in half a liter of air. That half a liter of air from the, the trachea, the bronchial tubes, everything is traveling, wait for it, 1,500 miles, if you had to lay it all out. When it goes into your airbags, the surface area of your lungs is the size of a tennis court. Now, we've only just got into your airbags. Wait till we get into your plumbing and your electricity. Yeah. You, it, the human body is amazing that God could create a body that can contain a spirit where the spirit, which is actually the substance, can give expression to the form in a most remarkable way. One day we'll be free of the form, of course, yeah. and the substance will be evident. We're a, you're a miracle. How much more then the inner man is a miracle? 
Because we're just talking here about the outer man. This is about spiritual transformation of the inner man when we talk about transformational story. It's not physical transformation. It will decay. We can look after it. We can feed it well. We can exercise it. And so we should. I need, having moved to the United States, I need 10 years of W-2s to get Medicaid. So I need to intend to live till that time. <laughs> 2, uh, 2 Corinthians 4.16, though our outward man is decaying, yet our inward man is renewed day by day. It's the inward. We're so concerned about how we look in the mirror. I mean, I have a pretty good self-image until I see an image of myself. <laughs> I probably share that with a lot of people in this room. No offense. Colossians 3.10, and we have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge. Renewed in knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. This is who we really are. Who you really are um, is not only your form. Who you really are is the inner man. Your outer man, our outer man has members. We have eyes, ears, mouth, hands, feet. So your inner man has the same members. The Bible speaks about it, your inner man. And it speaks about all those members but it's not physical. It has the same members, the same functions, but those functions of your inner man, eyes, ears, mouth, hands, feet, and more, it's all in the Bible, are related to the spiritual realm, not the physical realm. Who are you really? You're living eternally now in Christ. Who are you really? It's your inner man who you really are. The members of the inner man need to be spiritually formed. That's where the transformation happens in the inner man. We are formed, our substance, from the inside out. It's not the outside in. It's the inside out. And the members of the outer man need to, the eyes, the ears, the mouth, the hands, the feet, etc., need to become conformed to the, to the spirit of the inner man. In Christ. It's from the inside out that we grow. And this transformation that happens in our stories happens in everyday life. It's about obedience. Every time you are tempted, and to be tempted is not a sin. When you are tempted, you have a choice. And everybody is tempted whether it's through pride or false humility or through um, sexuality or through finances, as they say, the petties, petticoats, pennies, and power. Did I get it right? So I'm not sure which order it's in. Probably, well, never mind. We won't go there. So they're all bad. Every time you say no, it's every day. It's an everyday. This isn't something that's going to, something's going to happen one day and then you're going to be transformed. Your transformation is happening every day by the choices we make. And when the spirit man, the eye stays straight or the mouth stays good, 
Every time you're making those choices, the outer man is conforming, but it takes some discipline, right? Of course it does. But the, the, the outcome, the result, far outweighs the pain of the discipline in the moment. We're so quick to want self-gratification. Obedience, then, is one of the parts of the journey that we follow to be truly transformed. And everybody can do this. 1 Samuel 15.22, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? So the burnt offerings and sacrifices are the religion. But it's obedience. And that comes through your conscience. To, be, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed is better than the fat of rams. And this is written in the time of the law, where these rituals were really important. Psalm 40, verse 6 to 8, David penned this Psalm 40 at a time of coming through some sort of deliverance by the power and goodness of God during a time of overwhelming and pressing trouble. He writes, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened. Were they the ears you can see? They're the ears of the inner man. You have opened them. Burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. Do not think that the Lord requires from you your religious service. It's your heart. Then I said, behold, I come. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O God, and your law is within my heart, living from the inner man. Obedience, he's looking. The Lord is looking to see, is looking for who will listen and who will do. It's one thing to hear. It's another thing to do. And this church has a unique calling in that oftentimes we've heard from the pulpit that uh, we want to be those people who go, when the church leaves the building, that we go into the world and have inspired words, inspired insights through your vocation, through your conversations. And that's partly what that Saturday night is about, that, that we're talking about. An opportunity to come together and to learn to practice the gifting of the Spirit. Not in some, uh, you know, way out form, where people proclaim, thus saith the Lord, and are messianic in their gifting. Just in the simple things, even the apostles would say, it seems right to us to do this and this. That we would function in humility and respect for each other as we function in the gifts of the Spirit. And a safe place to practice where we can learn, oh, I can hear from God, and I can speak, and it really was for that person. And I you have a little more confidence to do that outside in the world. That's what it's about. Not comparing is something else. If you want to be transformed, we have to stop comparing ourselves to other people, which we do. Every person's story is unique. The sequence of events is unique. We can't compare ourselves amongst ourselves. It's wrong. Peter to John. Peter having been told that he will die the death of a martyr. Immediately, Peter asks Jesus. This is after, you know, Peter has 
denied Christ three times. The risen Christ is kind of doing a barbecue with fish. And Peter realized who it is, and he asked him three times. You know the story, and then he says yes. And then he begins to, to tell Peter about what's coming. Lord, Peter says, after he's been told his commission, his calling in life, Lord, what about him? And he points to John, the other disciple. You see how wrong that, how, how, how we are? That's how we are. What, but what about him? Having just received his own pastoral commission and obituary notice, Peter now wants to know what will happen to John. <laughs> we, never, we always think someone's got it better, right? You are good enough. It's your calling, it's your commission, it's your transformation. We do it in community with each other, but no one can be you. Jesus could have answered his question by giving him the plot of John's life. Oh, let me tell you about John, Peter. Doesn't do that. Peter wanted that. But instead, he directs him to what is important in his own life. He says to Peter the following in Scripture. If I want him, John, to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Peter would have been 2000 and, I can't get, 2024. What is that to you? You must follow me, John 21, 22. The Lord's reply is designed to focus Peter's attention on his own commission. So he meets you where you're at. He meets you at your place. He meets you under the tree. He meets you when you're up the tree. <laughs> he meets you at your fishing nets. He meets you in your home. He meets you when you go to the well to get water. He's there. He's there. He loves you because he saw you before you were born. And he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And doesn't matter what has happened, all things can work to the good for those who've been called according to his purpose. Obedience. Don't compare. I'm going to share with you some of the story. As, as you heard, I travel all over the world in my work. And so I can be in many different places. And I want to share with you a story. I was about to go to Ouagadougou. There is such a place. <laughs> it's the capital of Burkina Faso. It's on the map. <laughs> All right. So you're looking at West Africa, the Atlantic side. And Burkina Faso, Mali, it's in the area of the world called the Sahel, S-A-H-E-L, sub-Saharan Africa. It's, it's desert. It's a highly conflicted area of the world. And I was going to there for my work in Christian education, and the Lord spoke to me very directly. We were living in Germany at the time. And the Lord said to me, 
Gavin, will you be prepared to die on this trip? Now, I had never had that word before. How do you hear the word? I can't explain it. You know, sometimes it's like an oxygen bubble that you see it, it rises up in the water and suddenly it pops up in, open on the surface. That's how the word of the Lord works with me sometimes. It pops in and you realize this is not me. I know when it's me when I want pizza. This is not me <laughs> when I, wanted, I don't want to die. And so I, I, the word didn't go away. It, I knew it like I knew my own name. This is what God was saying. And I struggled with it, and I wrestled. Eventually, I came to a place where I said, yes, I'm going to Burkina. I'd been to there many times before. I'll go to Burkina Faso, and I am prepared to die. I didn't take it lightly, as one shouldn't. Went to Mali, went to Burkina Faso. It was the, I was there on January the 8th. I stayed at the Splendid Hotel, fairly splendid. I went and um, ate at the Cappuccino restaurant. I was with a friend. That's the restaurant after I ate there, and I'll tell you the story now. I went with a friend to the restaurant, and we sat down, and, I, and we sat down at a table that was close to the street. And I said to him, let's move and sit behind at this pillar. Because I'm thinking, if they start shooting from the street, at least I've, I'm ready with the pillar in front of me. I honestly was thinking that. Nothing happened. I left... I flew out of Ouagadougou, connected back into Europe, back to our house in Germany. This was Friday night that we ate at this restaurant, the 8th. The following Saturday morning, very early, my friend phoned me from the UK, said, where are you? I said, I'm at home. He said, you better look at the news, 2016. One week later, I was there on the 8th, Friday the 8th. One week later, on Friday the 15th, they killed everybody who was eating in that restaurant. Fifteen people were, were murdered. And the hotel across the road, if you go to the next slide, that's the splendid hotel. Total number of deaths was 29. I said, why? Why give me this word, and then I'm not killed? Did they check out the joint and decided there were, there were only about seven of us and there were not enough people? We'll come back next weekend. I didn't understand it. But I want to share with you something that I did understand, but only long after the fact. If you look at the slide of the tabernacle, very simply... The tabernacle was a way to come into the Lord's presence. There were very strict procedures that they had to follow. In the outer court, as you enter the outer court, there's an altar of burnt offering. It's a large altar near the door of the tabernacle. It's the first thing you see as you come in. It's made of brass. Oh, no, sorry, that's the brazen altar. So that's 
where the sacrifices are done on the altar of burnt offering. The next thing that you see is the, um, the uh, made of brass, the brazen, the brazen altar. What is it called? The laver. Thank you. The laver was a large brass bowl, and then you could wash yourself. Then you went into the inner court, and from the inner court, you went into the, Lord's, into the Father's presence. In the inner court today, there was um, incense. Jesus is our intercessor. There was um, a, a candelabra. Jesus is the light. And there was, uh, what was the third item? Showbread. Just checking that they're listening. And there was showbread. Jesus is the bread of life. So Jesus is the light of the world, the mediator, the intercessor, the bread of life. And we come into the presence of the Father, the Holy of Holies, through Jesus Christ. In the outer court, there's still a sacrifice as we come to, to that. Romans 12, verses 1 to 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, the outer man, a living sacrifice. The Lord said to me afterwards, I only realized it long after, he said, Gavin, your choice to go when you knew that you'd probably die, at that point, you became the living sacrifice. Not, that's my story. Everyone is going to be a living sacrifice in some form. Those things have to go onto the altar. It's not going to kill you. It's going to kill the outer man, the form. But you know what comes in its place? Transformation. The inner man. Life in abundance, those promises come to pass. And every life becomes supernatural when we are the living sacrifice. And then you begin to function in a realm that is completely different to what most people are functioning in when you see them in Walmart. <laughs> but that's when you have the words. That's when you have the relationship. That's when you have the power the power of the Spirit of God. Romans 12, 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The spiritual mind, it will reshape the neurons of the physical mind. That you may then know and prove what is it that good and acceptable and perfect will of God Luke 9.23, then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily. It's every day. It's not, you don't have to wait for something to happen. He already sees you. He's already speaking to you. Just respond. The small things first. He's proved, proved faithful with a little, will be given more. Small things first. Might seem little insignificant, but everything matters. Everything counts when the Lord is busy shaping you as the clay, when he's busy pruning you as the fruit tree, when he's beginning to craft you 
his, his workmanship. Everything counts every day, the decisions you're making. 1 Corinthians 15.31, I affirm, by the boasting in you which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. 1 Peter 4, verse 1 to 2, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. Everyone can do this. Everyone can do this. His power is enough. His grace is sufficient. It's made perfect in your weakness. Everyone can do it. 1 Peter 2, 5, you also as living stones are being built up. Listen to this. When we are the living stones, together in our community, we built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. That's where God, where does Jesus want to dwell? In your heart? Where does God want to be with us? From Genesis to Revelation, he's always wanting to be with us. This isn't an evacuation plan that we're part of. This is about hosting the king. This is what it's about. And that's where he wants to be. But you see the process in the tabernacle? That process remains. The living sacrifice. When you come to, the, to, the, uh, to wash, it's the sanctification process. That the Father may be with us. He's transforming a space in you, in which he can live completely and transform you completely. Religion says, I've got a guest room, and Jesus comes there. And he comes and lives in my guest room, and then he leaves. Mm -mm. No, no. He's a very disruptive guest. <laughs> he wants all of you. Why? Because he knows what he can do for you. He knows how he can transform you. That's why he wants all of you. Because he wants you to truly be alive. The breath of life. He wants you truly to live. That's why. But it requires your obedience. Requires that you don't compare yourself. Requires that you're a living sacrifice. Is he safe? Well, in Narnia, I think when Lucy asked the question, the beaver said, safe? He's a lion. But he's good. And you will be safe. We're going to play a song. And I would like you to reflect on what the Lord is saying to you. It's a song called Make Room. You make room by being obedient, not religious. You make room by surrendering. You'll hear the words in the song, every burden, every crown. Those crowns, you've got to lay them down. I've had many successes. I've had many burdens. All of it can prevent. You've got to lay it down. So I encourage you as we go into, into a contemplative time, as we listen to these words, that you would just take time to pause. Judgment is not, we never judge others. We can be fruit inspectors, but we do not judge. We judge ourselves. That's who we judge. And we think of ourselves in a sober way. And this is an opportunity as we reflect for you to think on this word that you've heard today and for you to think of yourself in a sober way.
and to know that there's no condemnation. No condemnation. There's conviction, but that conviction is there for freedom.
Gavin, thank you. Thank you for your obedience. Just speaking those truths to us. As our hearts are bowed, we've been talking about walking with God. We've got some practical understanding today how that looks and how that works. But it takes choices. It takes choices every morning. It takes choices all day long. But it starts with choices of allowing Jesus to come into your life and giving your life to Christ. Like Gavin says, religion may request that you just give part of your life, but Christianity says you need to give your whole life to God. And if you're in that place and you realize that you need Jesus to take the wheel, then invite him in. Did that many years ago. 47 years ago, I did that. I said, Jesus, take the wheel, because I've made a mess of it already. And so if that's you and that's your place, because that's where it starts, really. Um, he comes in and, and starts just journeying with you where you're at. And he's gentle and he's meek. And he walks with you. And he talks with you. And I know that as I've journeyed these years, he just keeps saying, Rod, it's time to adjust this. It's time to deal with this. It's time to lay it down. And so I just want to say that in, ca in case you're fearful or apprehensive about inviting Jesus into your life, religion may have created some thoughts in your mind about that. But I tell you what, it's gentle, it's wonderful, it's a moment-by-moment -moment relationship with the King. And if that's you, just to, if that's where you're at and you want to invite you, we want to just pray as a church together. So those that are online and those that are in the sound of my voice may have the courage just to invite Jesus into their life and, and allow Him to take the wheel. And if that's you, let's just pray out loud, church. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God that you died on that cross for me, that you paid for all my sins. Today, I say thank you. Today, I receive you as Lord, as leader. I give you my life in Jesus' name. He comes in and he walks with you and talks with you. But there may be some of us that, yes, we've done that, but we've kind of just, as Gavin said, you've just given him the lounge or just the attic. Ronald Bonkers said that he spoke and the guy said, well, I thought things were going to be just absolutely rosy and dandy now that I've given my life to Christ. And, uh, and he questioned God. He said, God, listen, I've invited you into my life. And he says, yes, you renovated the attic and you gave me the attic. But the rest of the house, you have not. And we may be in that place where we've just given God parts of our lives. Sunday morning, Wednesday Bible study. But he says, listen, the journey I want you to have will require you to come and allow all the rooms to be upset by me. But it's for the good. It's for the better. And for the kingdom of God. And that will be special. So Father as we bow our hearts. I know that. Just even the second time hearing this, this word this morning. 
Your delicate finger has touched nerve endings that I need to address to move my journey on with you, my walk on with you. And church, if that's you and your place and where you find yourself, let's do business with God right now in a few minutes. Just, just, just let's spend a moment right now and just say, God, this is what you've touched. And I need to deal with it. I need to surrender it. I need to be that sacrifice so that your kingdom may prevail in my life, that I may walk in another realm with you and not be tossed to and fro by all the things of this world, that I may be steady and, st and strong and be a reflection and a, 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 an example to a needy dying world, a walking billboard of your goodness and your greatness. And I'll challenge you, if God's spoken to you, get that device out, go to the yellow notepads and, you'll, and just write it out. Say, God, you spoke to me at this time and this date, and I need to work on this. Help me. Help is a great prayer. I love saying, God, I ain't got a clear help. And it's a great prayer. Amen. Hallelujah. Because it's a good day to be alive. It's fantastic, in fact. And we're the vessels through which divine favor flows, preventing misfortune in the lives of others. And I want you to be that to the needy dying world out there. Be the encouragement. Be the hope. Be the joy. Be the laughter in the room. Come. Let's be the church. Amen. We pray for you and release you. If you have prayer requests, if you have prayer needs, this space up here, our prayer team's looking out for you. If you come up here, we're going to anoint you with oil. We're going to pray with you. We're going to agree for God's promise on your life. So don't ever leave any of the services, but come up forward and let us pray for you, whatever the need may be, because my God is a big God. Amen. So, Father, thank you. We are a blessed people. We are rich people. We receive the richness of your word today, Father. We thank you that you've given us practical steps to walk it out with you. Thank you that we can go out there and be a blessing. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you.